Well, hello. It's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have a, we have a guest today that I have to tell you the saga. We're thrilled. It's Maureen Barry Cavanaugh. I hope some of you know her. She's a cookbook author and an artist. Now, the funny part is, this is the third time we've tried to have Maureen be a guest on the show. Everything, the fates are working against us. So if you're hearing this right now, obviously we have broken the curse. Hello, Maureen. Hello. Hi, Denise. Hello, Cindy. We don't have to go into all the technical um, problems that we've had. Most of them, I have to admit, is probably handler error. Because, you know, Maureen, for a girl that can cook dinner for 5,000 people, I have an awful lot of trouble turning on a computer. <laughs> can't do anything about it. I've decided I'm getting to, there's not enough, my brain, I can't learn a whole lot of new things. That's what I've decided. I'm just trying to hang on to what I've got. You just have to prioritize. So thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, what I'd love people, there's so many things, Maureen, because Maureen and I have met at IACP, which it seems like every single guest that we have on, I've met at IACP, but it was a wonderful organization. And I remember, Maureen, I met you sitting across one of the big, gigantic, like 10, 12, 15 people tables, and you had written your book. Yeah. Had written your cookbook. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Tell us about your cookbook. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And I have to, I um, will just tell you that I didn't know you at IACP and didn't know many people. And since it was my first cookbook, um, I was a little bit, I was feeling awkward. There's so many superstars in the culinary world. And, um, but so I just started milling around the room and there was so much energy coming from that table where you were sitting you had your little three, three women, there were three of you. And I thought, I don't know who those women are, but I'm going over there. <laughs> and so I just was pickled to be, you know, and pickled to be uh, meeting you and everybody else there. Um, so I wrote the cookbook, Salmon from Market to Plate, when you want to eat salmon that's good for you in the oceans. So um, this cookbook came kind of came out of... Um, uh, you know, it's a process. I initially wanted to write a big cookbook involving a lot of species. And um, after I started the process, I realized I'm not Barton Seaver. I can't write the encyclopedia of seafood. <laughs> um, leave that to him. He's very good at that. Um, and then um, I was very involved with the Monterey Bay Aquarium at the time, going to their um, Sustainable Food Institute events, which was uh, media and science put together to create the stories that we need to tell. And that's where the salmon cookbook um, evolved. So um, yeah, it's a part history, part um, narrative. So the first half of the book is about um, the different, the differences between wild and farm salmon and um, how to buy salmon, how to prepare salmon. And then of course I've got 20 recipes uh, in the cookbook and some recipes from chefs around the country who support ocean conservation that donated recipes to the cookbook. So it's a great little handy like salmon 101 for people who uh, need to know everything there is to know about salmon. I remember Maureen you coming to the table when you say there was a lot of energy I wonder if it was me Crescent Dragon Wagon and Nicole Alani None of us are wallflowers. We were probably so loud that other people were tisking us. But I remember when you sat down and you were so charming and I remember thinking how smart your book was. I appreciate you saying that. It was definitely you, the three of you there, just like having a party. You didn't need anybody else. I was like, who are these people? I need to know them. <laughs> I have to tell you something, Maureen. The older I've gotten, at conferences and different things, I have found that when I can zero in on four, maybe four, in a few days, four or five people that I really want to touch base with, that's better than anything else. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I Networking do. is important. And I've met some wonderful people at different conferences, but certainly um, having old friends at these conferences is something. Mm -hmm. Well, 
your book so people know, and of course, everyone that listens knows, we'll put Maureen's information and her website up on our website and Facebook page um, when this is broadcast. Now, I wanted Maureen to be on today, and it's a delicate subject, and it's a personal subject, but since I've been following you on Facebook, Maureen, I know you had I know you've had a journey with cancer and mm-hmm. I just think, and I, there's so much more to you than this. And we're going to do another podcast and talk about all your artwork, which is fantastic. But I oh, thank you. What I, since I've watched you since I've watched the process and really so many women beyond a certain age have been touched by cancer. Do you know what I mean? All of a thank sudden, you. whether it be, cancer, breast cancer, uterine cancer, something cancer. I mean, we have places that are hiding that we can get cancer. So without, I don't, I, I, I didn't, I want everyone that's listening to know, I mentioned, I told Maureen this before, because I think that there is one, people are afraid to talk about cancer, Maureen, and two, people are afraid to ask about cancer, but you will probably have some just simple insights that could help someone else. Oh, I, wow. So yeah. um, Start where, what, I mean, simply, how did you know, how did you get to the doctor? What happened? Sure. Um, Oh, it's a very interesting story because my, my cancer, it's called um, the differentiated liposarcoma. So it's a very rare disease. um, And many people don't know about it. And surprisingly, because it's, you know, not, it's probably one in 10 of all the cancers that are discovered. Um, so my cancer came out quickly and aggressively, but it appeared slowly. So let me try to, let me try to unpack that. Um, in January of 2019, no, probably it was more like February. No, January, February 19th, I hired a personal trainer, Nate at the gym, and I wanted to do a freestanding handstand in my yoga practice. So I've, I've been practicing <laughs> yoga for, for years and I'm like, this is what my bucket list. Let me just, you know, we have these goals, right? The personal goals, yeah. the physical goals, right? So this was my goal. I'm like, I really want to do this. And by the end of the year, that's what, and so that's what I'm going to do. So I hired Nate to help me with my core muscles and my shoulders, which are the two muscle groups you need to do this, this freestanding handstand. And, um, I was power walking at the time and elliptical. So I'm, you know, leading a pretty healthy lifestyle. So about a month into it, we were working with some kettlebells and I'd never worked with kettlebells before. And I said to Nate, I don't want to throw my back out. You know, I'm getting older. I, I need to protect myself. So if I don't look right in the posture, tell me the term Udi Adabande. And he was said, well, what the heck does that mean? And, and it's the term you use in yoga to bring your belly button to the backbone. So it's, it stabilizes your core muscles in your abdomen and it's, it makes your back straight. So we could joke about it and he took him a couple of times and he finally got it. So I'm three, you know, movements into this kettlebell routine. And he says, Udi Adabande. And I went to do the maneuver and I thought, Ooh, that's, that's weird. Like I, I can't do it. It feels like there's kind of something in the way. Now I hadn't, I hadn't noticed any extra growth, so to speak. Um, so for listeners, the, my cancer was in my abdomen. So in, in, so in February, so this was in mid-February, and I was like, hmm, what's going on here? This is a little bit odd. And I felt a little bit fuller, like I normally, than normal. And so within a week or so, um, I was headed down to Orange Beach, Alabama to an oyster conference and I was packing. So I was trying some clothes on and I thought, oh, my clothes are feeling so snug. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, is it middle-aged bread? Like, this is it. I have it. Oh my God. So I say to my husband, babe, look at my stomach. Does it, does it look bigger than normal? And he kind of like chuckled like, oh, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> For one me- one second, Maureen. If people don't know you, if people sure. don't know you, this is a big, this is a big statement you're making because you're trim. 
Yeah, I'm little, so So I'm five foot two, and I've and I'm in a size eight clothes. Like I could, I could in a good clothing, I could squeeze into a six if I'm, you know, buying expensive clothes. (laughs) So it's size eight. I understand. Healthy, right? Healthy. So this is a bit, but so this is a big, this is a big thing you've discovered. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying it's, it's wonderful that you were in touch with your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and so then. I started to notice this little pooch and I had to travel in March to um, a family um, baby shower up in Pittsburgh. And I remember putting clothes on and thinking, oh, my family's going to think I'm, you know, gaining weight, like look really. And so it's funny because I told them, I said, I look a little bit bigger. Something's going on with me. I don't know what it is. Um, And I, when I, the day, the last day in Alabama, I took a power walk on the beach and I only did two miles and I was really short of breath. And I realized I was starting to get more fatigued. And then I almost lost control of my bladder. And I thought, okay, now this middle age really sucks, but I'm going to go see the doctor. So I called my GI to get um, a colonoscopy and an upper GI. I told him what was when I went into the doc to his office, I said, this is what's happening. And I have this like thing going on with my stomach. I can't do my yoga exercise. And he came and kind of pressed on my belly and said, hey, let's do a CAT scan. So I come out of the colonoscopy and he comes in to tell me, he goes, everything looks good. You didn't have any polyps, your stomach muscle, you know, your, your upper GI looks good. Your stomach tissue is all healthy. He goes, but you have a tumor on your stomach about the size of a grapefruit. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, what? So he said, listen, I'm going to send you over to the surgeon Friday. This was a Wednesday. I get off the, get home, get off the table. I'm like, well, okay, at least we found whatever it is. Like now we just have to go figure it out and take care of it. And that was kind of like my attitude. Um, so I went to the doctor, went to see the surgeon, and I heard them outside the door. Now here's something very interesting. So I'm lying on the table. I'm like, okay, you know, it takes forever. There's nothing like yeah. waiting when you know, you know, you're waiting and waiting and waiting. So I can hear the doctor out there with the nurse saying, does she know? I heard him saying something like, does she know what's going on? And the nurse said, no, I don't think so. The doctor told her like it was a grapefruit. I could go like right outside the door. I'm like, I'm right here. I know. So he comes in, pulls pulls the image up on the screen, the CAT scan image. And it starts, if you've ever seen a CAT scan, how the images, they just flip, 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 flip until you actually see the full image on the computer screen. And I'm looking at my stomach. Now I aced the physiology course in college. So I know what the inside of the body looks like. And what I saw on the screen shocked me because all of a sudden my entire center mass was filled with a big gray mass. And he said, before he brought it up, he said, so what do you, what's going, what did the doctor tell you? And I told him and he said, well, it's a little bit, bigger than a grapefruit. He goes, it's more about the size of a basketball. And we were just like, what? And then he showed us the image. And sure enough, my entire abdominal center was filled with a mass, a tumor. And so I was smart. Okay. I was smart. I said, hold that image. And I took my phone and took a picture of it. <laughs> it sounds like the most ridiculous, stupid thing. And I'm laughing because I'm so proud of myself for being so smart because I was able to take that image and immediately start researching my problem um, and sending that image off to other doctors. Okay. Your calmness, your calm under fire, Maureen, is incredibly uplifting. I have to tell you, you're calm under fire because that's, you know, truly, I'm, there's so many issues here, but I have to tell you, thank God, thank God you went right to the doctor and thank mm-hmm. God you could. Do you yeah. know what I mean? This is one of the things in women's health is that if women and we, I don't, I want to go right back to you, but women do not always have health insurance. Women mm-hmm. do not. We are the first people We're the women and children are the ones that suffer if there's divorce or a loss of job and we don't Mm -hmm. have insurance and resources. So, but the fact that 
you took a picture. Well, since I take a picture of everything, Maureen, as mm-hmm. you well know, because we, I I'm take sure. a picture of my coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. I take a picture of my dog's teeth. I would have taken a picture of my tumor too. And I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I didn't even think of, I mean, I, it's interesting how, when I look back, I call um, how calm I was about the whole process that I, I'm, I'm, my mother was a nurse. So um, she was, you know, and I, my sisters are nurses and my aunts were nurses and they're fix it people We're they're fixers. And, um, you know, I, so I grew up with that. Like, I'm, I'm going to fix this problem. I, I have this resolve that like, this is not going to get me. And I, I had no idea the severity of it other than seeing that massive tumor, knowing that clearly that has to come out. Um, so they, they thought it was a, the, the doctor that I saw, the surgeon I saw, thought it was a gist tumor. So I said, gist is a gastrointestinal stromal tumor and they, they grow very large. So this appeared to be a gist tumor. And he said, so we, I'm going to send you over to the oncologist on Monday. This was a Friday. And I said, and you're going to send me to the oncologist to do what? And he said, well, we're, we're going to need to treat, we're going to need to treat that. So my husband and I said, okay. And we left and I said, I'm not going to the oncologist on Monday. I'm going to find a specialist, a gist specialist. And we both agreed that it was big because we live in a, in a, in a small rural community. And while the healthcare system here is, um, one, the hospital system here is one of the largest industries in the area and in the region, um, you know, it's, it's good for like broken bones or you have the flu or that kind of thing. When you have like a specialized, um, problem like mine and not to say that there aren't people with cancer here, Kentucky has a lot of a lot of cancer and the leading cancer state in the United States is Kentucky. And, um, yeah, so we do have a cancer center here in my town, which thank God, because I still have to go get my port flushed every six weeks and that's where I go, but I wanted a specialist and I did have health insurance. So, um, but I didn't have the best health insurance because the first person I reached out to was uh, Vanderbilt university. They had a very large gist, center in um, Nashville, but my health insurance is, was only covered in Kentucky. So I couldn't do that. So um, I sent the picture to my sister who was a pediatric oncology nurse. And I said, I didn't realize what I was even doing. I said, I have this image. I need to show it to you. And, you know, I, she was driving and she oh, said, oh my, God. my God, I had to pull off the side of, I literally pulled off the side of the road. She said, I, I was shocked. And she sent it to uh, UPMC in Pittsburgh, where she worked, and to the cancer center there, and they said, um, and this is how I knew it was like I was like, oh my god, this is my oh my god moment. She said, okay, I just talked to Doctor So and So, and he said, have her fly up here tomorrow, and we'll get her started right away. And I thought, oh my god, oh my god. But okay. you see, Maureen, again, this is this is being an ad, this is being your own advocate. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I. I say this all the time, but I have friends that cannot be their own advocates. Do you know what I mean? And I, I do. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I certainly do. It's like friends that have been through crisis or oh, the worst thing, if their husband dies, their partner mm-hmm. dies. And yeah. I'll say to them, I know this, I know you're in pain. I am not discounting that, but we have to move on this. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we have to, I've had this with so many friends where, and one or two of them <laughs> tell the story later after a class one, they'll say, here I was dying of a broken heart. And Denise turned to me and said, with four kids, you need a new husband. We're going to the gym. But I meant it. <laughs> I mean, that her staying in bed wasn't going to help her at that moment. That's right. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, God think- for your sister. Thank God for yep. you. How mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, it, it's really, you know, it's really a situation. It's a horrible yeah. situation. And um, so we moved on it very quickly. But I have to say, um, it was not easy getting in with the, um, the GIST specialist over at UK Healthcare in Lexington. So it has to be done through doctor referral. Well, yeah. I have to tell you, I'm not sitting around waiting for any doctor. So I called every single day for two weeks. And then finally, when I got through to somebody on the second week, the woman said to me, we have your application. We have all of your information. We don't have your doctor's notes from your original doctor here. 
And I said, okay. So it took me four calls. And I finally said to the nurse who I could not speak to the doc. I said, it's not my responsibility to do that doctor's job. It's his responsibility to write up those medical notes and send them to the doctor. And I got stern. I just, you know, I was done. I'm like, this is my life. Like you will handle this and you need to do it today. And um, yeah, so we finally, we got in. By then it was, I'm going to say late March and I got in. So now my stomach was actually growing. I could, I could physically see the growth in my stomach. Like it seemed like as soon as I saw that, I was like, it grew exponentially, which it sounds yeah. really bizarre, but that's kind of what happened. It was this kind of a sudden aggressive, sudden aggressive growth, but it seemed gradual. And then um, we were in with the doctor. He saw the, he saw the CAT scan, got the records and said to me, if I was a betting man, I would bet this is not a gist tumor. And I said, okay, so now what? And he said, well, I have to do a biopsy and then, you know, we'll go from there. And so you can't even, I think the hard thing for most people is the waiting at this point, because I remember thinking, okay, this is growing pretty aggressively. We know it's a problem. I'm already a month out from when I first got the first CAT scan, like, and now you're telling me it's going to be next week, you'll do the biopsy and then 10 more days. So that's two more weeks. And, you know, and in the meantime, Denise, I had a major event scheduled in Seattle at the Seattle Aquarium in April. (laughs) We've been been working on a program, a speaking and cooking program for me um, at the Seattle Aquarium for a year. And it was coming up in April, April 19th. And so I was scheduled to get the biopsy because, you know, with insurance, it has to be approved. So you can't just schedule it and they have to fit you in. So it was like mid, it was like the first week of April, I got the biopsy. Maybe later than that, because he said to me seven to 10 days and he called me the day after I was on stage, I was headed to my post, um, my post-conference luncheon and the phone rang. And it was the doctor telling me that I had this de-differentiated liposarcoma. And um, I kept thinking he was telling, saying lymphoma. I'm like, what, what do you I, say? Like, I had to ask him like three times. I'm like, can you? And then I finally got smart and opened my notes app and said, please spell that, you know, so I could write it down. So smart. Yeah. yeah. And then he said to me, what? when are you coming home? And I said, it was, uh, it was Saturday. No, it's Friday. I said, I'll be home. I'm leaving Saturday. He goes, well, you're going in Tuesday for port placement and then we'll start you on chemotherapy on Friday. And I, I said, there, okay, all right. There, a girl with a plan. Yeah, a you know, it's a, a good thing to have a plan. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced, you know, really it's, it's there's so many things I'm thinking of when I've had, when I had a cancer scare once, nothing, they just found a gigantic lump. Okay. Mm. In my, almost on my breastbone. Oh. And you're right, Maureen, it's about the waiting. Now I had oh, to go to a waiting. specialist mm-hmm. because they had to put me on a machine, like almost a revolving thing because they couldn't just do a biopsy with a needle. And then when they showed me, on the x-ray, the size of it, I said to the doctor, and I was, I said, oh my God, if that was cancer, I'd already be dead. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it was like the biggest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And him too. Because when, when that came out, you know, and it's exactly what you're saying, their demeanor yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, they went to this machine, but it took like four or five days. This is 20 years ago, so I'm sure it's quicker now. But it took four or five days to get the results. And then they called me and they said, it is just there. And they said, now, listen, this is going to follow a year around. Every sim- single mammogram, you're going to scare somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They were very mm-hmm. honest about it. And now I have the, it, because they said everyone's going to see this and think that same thing. And so you don't have to go through this elaborate of a test, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they put it all in my chart. And I carry my chart for, you know, 
for mammograms around with me if mm -hmm. I have to change doctors. Oh, so you still have the but tumor? I'm, oh yeah, it's still there. Now, this is always what's interesting. And I had fibroid tumors, horribly. The moment I went through menopause, oh, they're, they're probably estrogen driven, okay? Mm -hmm. Because they shrunk themselves, Maureen. Oh. The, they were probably all coming from estrogen. And when my mm -hmm. body stopped producing estrogen, the tumors, the fibroid tumors went away and the breast bone tumors also diminished. Oh, that's incredible. I know, I know, it's incredible. Well, that's a blessing right there. It's such a blessing. And I will tell you the waiting though for those days I had, mm -hmm. which is why, and that's what I want you to talk about. Continue on your story. It's riveting, Maureen. And I yeah, don't the, mean the waiting is very, very hard. I have to say it's that. It's very um, hard. Mm -hmm. And it changes. Because your mind is, you know, you want to Google and you want to, you know, you want to know what your disease is and you want to know, you know, the prognosis and, you know, and these are the crazy things you, you say, okay, well, what stage cancer? And they're like, okay, stage three B. And the challenge with my cancer was because it wasn't the gist tumor. This thing had started on my left kidney and wrapped itself around my waist and into pushing. And so when I, the re, and so I have to backtrack a little bit. Um, when I was going down to that um, conference in February, you know, I started a food journal because I thought I'm really not eating that much food. Like, why am I I'm back to that whole, yeah. was it middle-aged spread? Why am I not losing weight? Like, what am I, you know, and I was, I was eating about a thousand calories a day. Now for, I, I should have been emaciated, uh, you know, for my I know. Activity level, right? Absolutely. I, so Absolutely. it was nuts. It was just nuts. And so, um, yeah. What was I saying? Oh yeah. The, the, the weight, oh, the waiting, that's what we were talking about. And I think it's oh, the hardest. God. Yeah. But you can't, um, cause you do, you do want to Google. And I think the smart thing is to get in and get out. You go to Google, you find the best resource that you can, then um, American Cancer Society, you find whatever the breast cancer association, the liposarcomas association, you go to these um, designated sites and then you learn as much as you can, and then you get the hell out because otherwise it becomes, you, you go down that rabbit hole, it, it's ugly. I was just going to say, and I think we've all learned this with the internet mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. with all the, all the social media and stuff. If you go down the rabbit hole, you'll be sorry later. You will. <laughs> I mean, you totally you will. You really will. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I think your advice that you just get find out educate I, I don't, yourself I think that because I think right I think, mm -hmm, I think people get so like you want to go but you don't want to go and I think the smart thing is just get in there and see what it is and then have your questions for your doctor not for not for Google not for your friends That's and not, exactly right. you know you have the questions for the doctor and then um, and you, you just have to, like, I asked the doctor, you know, how do I get in touch with you? Like, I'm going to have questions and they, you know, they gave me their email and said, this is my email and this yeah. is my phone and here is your nurse and here's your contact. And, you know, um, so you just, yeah. You, and then you just pray, <laughs> you know, it's, that's right. And now then you just I would pray. Say, were there, so this is, as you were so at what point now, so Maureen, you are solving your problem. I mean, I'm, I'm just comparing mm -hmm. you to, and you're solving your problems and you're educating yourself. And of course you're standing up for yourself and saying, please call me back. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And also determination and persistency, I think are two. I think determination is one of the most important things anywhere on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to be determined. Oh, but I agree. at what point, at what point did you did you did you burst out in tears? Did you take a long walk? Did you cry with your sister? Did you say to your husband, "I don't, I don't want this to," you know, "I'm scared." At what point were there many, or just one of them, or mm -hmm. you know, if you don't mind sharing that, I think because you've done no, everything I think that's correct. Such a, I think that's such a solid question. Um, I, I had one breaking point. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why I think I only had one because when I found out I needed support group and the only way for me to get support was to go social with it. So I yeah. made a decision to get social and go on 
Facebook with my journey and videotape it and keep, keep people updated and let people know this is what happened. This is what's happening to me and I need your help. Um, and that truly carried me through the entire journey. Now, I, I, I had a, I, from, from when I started chemotherapy in April until I had the surgery in August, I had a brush with death three times, like three times I was, I was going and they didn't know how to save me. Um, but when I broke was when I'd come home from the hospital, I'd finished the chemo. So my chemo regimen was um, very structured. So they, it was a 28 day um, therapy. So I did five days in hospital and 21 days off. So 26 day therapy. And then I did that four times. So I'd go into the hospital, they do a 24 seven drip. I had two really aggressive um, uh, treatments uh, my chemo cocktail was very aggressive. They decided that this is the only way to do it. The goal was to try to shrink the tumor or and or kill the cells. So what was happening was the tumor was growing so big and it was a solid mass. And so that is not a good thing. Like they, they needed that tumor yeah. to be pli pliable so that they could extract it from my organs. And the biggest challenge was it had wrapped itself around my vena cava which is the vein leading into the heart. So that's very, that was the very dangerous part. Oh and my God. And the doctor said to me, um, he goes, we may open you up and I may not be able to get this thing out. And I said, oh, cause one of the doctors said the head of surgery was in the room and he said, you only get one shot at surgery. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, if we open you up and we can't take you out, take it out. We're not going to kill you on the table. We're going to sew you back up and send you home with hospice. And I just said, well, then you better do your job. And oh, he God. looked at me and he was leaning up against the wall and he stood up and he looked at me and he didn't like that at all. I can tell you that. But thank God he was not, the, he was not my surgeon, right? He was just the chief of surgery. I didn't care who he was. It was like, you all you are taking what? care of this. That's making me, I'm almost crying at the moment thinking of you saying that and bless you. And thank goodness, Maureen. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a miracle. That's what I'm you alive. have to do. Yep. It's a miracle. God bless you. Yeah. Tell so on the, you know, so by the, yeah, I'm telling you, it was nuts. So by the second time I came home from surgery, because um, the first time I came home from surgery uh, after, excuse me, the first time I came home from my first chemo treatment, I wasn't home two days and I, um, I seized up. My, my colon seized up and I couldn't walk and I got rushed to the local hospital and I had sepsis. There was uh, E. coli in my blood. Oh, so I was, in the hospital for, I was in the hospital for a week. And when I came home, got that under control, um, I went back to the hospital for the second round of chemo. And then second round of chemo, I came home and I got uh, neutropenia, which means I had no white blood cell count. And my blood pressure crashed to like 80 or 50. So I had to go back to the hospital here and I was in the hospital for 10 days here. And that's when I started losing my hair. So yes. I finally realized so I was, my hair was coming out. It's like, um, I read, um, between two kingdoms. Have you read that book? It's a new, um, no. yeah, it's, it's a cancer story. And the, and the author, um, the Suluki, I think I'm, I might be mispronouncing that, but she described it perfectly what happens with chemo hair. It feels like you're pulling weeds out of wet dirt. It, it comes out in clumps. That's what happens. And I'm oh literally in the hospital, like pulling this clumpy hair. And it's my hair was always blonde. And I pulled out this hair and it was like this brown wiry. It kind of looked like a little bunny nest that I saw like the previous spring that I unloaded and didn't mean to. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm like pulling it out of my head in clumps and putting it on this paper towel on my lap. And I'm in the hospital and nobody's in the hospital room with me. So I'm kind of all in my little, oh my God, I'm getting rid of <laughs> you're this your hair. own Yeah. Yeah. Here's you're your own hair, science literally. project. Yeah. You're your you're own science hair, project. Yeah. So oh, the door opens. It's my husband and Dawn and my stepdaughter and her son, my step-grandson. 
And I've got this massive, it's like a man bun on the top of my head. I'm getting ready to pull it out. And they walk in the door and I've got, and I'm like, oops, like you caught me. And I like pat it back down. And oh, I just, sorry, Cindy, I patted that little noise on my head. And I felt so, and they, I felt so bad for them because they were all like, you know, doing the headlights, like, and they hadn't, hadn't seen me at all. Yeah. Okay. And I'm in this state. So I just covered the hair up on my lap. <laughs> like I was up to nothing. Like, I mean, it's just, everything's totally fine. Like it was so bizarre. Um, well, but when I got home, uh, clearly I had to, I just said, we, uh, Larry's um, hairdresser was, you know, a minute away and she came down and shaved the rest of my, in my head off. And um, that, that afternoon um, is when I broke. And so I had my two, three sisters were here and we had brought a hospital bed in because I couldn't get up on the bed because I was in yeah. such distress. My, my stomach now looked like I was um, 12 months pregnant. And um, I was exhausted. The chemo was killing me. I couldn't eat. Um, I was becoming malnourished. And I was in a dangerous spot. Like they were prepared to give me palliative hospice at this point because it was not, I was not going in a good direction. And um, my, my local PCP doctor was like, you know, this chemo's killing you. And I'm like, yeah, but the tumor's killing me. So like, I gotta, I don't have a choice here. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm gonna fight it with everything, right? Um, and, but it hit me that afternoon and we, I was on the hospital bed and, um, and Larry was with me and I just grabbed him and started sobbing uncontrollably. And it was like the worst moment I'd ever had in my entire life. And I just thought I'm gonna die and this is it. And holy shit, oh my God. And he just held me and I sobbed for, I don't even know how long, inconsolably for so long until I, you know, probably fell asleep from the medicine. <laughs> it gave me some, my fentanyl patch kicked in and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take a nap. And then I feel like after that, I was totally fine. I released all that angst and fury and anger and frustration and distrust and what was happening with me. And I just said, fuck it at this point, I'm, I got this, I'm doing this. I got that out of my system, I'm totally fine. And then I was totally fine. I was back to like, I got this and I'm on it and nothing can stop me and this cancer's not gonna take me down. And it did not. This is remarkable. <laughs> there are so many lessons, Maureen, in the paragraph that you just said, it's mm -hmm. remarkable and you mm -hmm. are remarkable. I do remember. And which is why I was so, I was grateful to you to share your journey on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you were losing weight. I knew you were so tiny. I kept telling you, you should come to my house for a week because <laughs> I can gain 10 pounds in a week. That's and I would feed you. You just have to eat my diet. You just, <laughs> you got to get off those vegetables, girls. You got to eat more fat. And yeah. I remember when you shaved your head mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, she's because you are so pretty i thought she's still pretty how can you be pretty bald but oh, you were so sweet hey i no, was just grateful not... that like i had a nice shape to my head yes you know ha all these things we don't appreciate until we're seriously you know you they... still have your vanity when you have cancer you still care about you know it, it may be you know it, it, you just want even i mean if my head was misshapen like i would still be grateful that you know, I was still taking a breath that day. It didn't matter that I didn't That's have right. hair. Like, you know, there was, and we're, this is the world. I wrote an essay about it. We're, we're obsessed with hair in our culture and in, in, yeah. in many, many cultures, you know, there are historical, you know, stories about it in the Bible, the Samson and Goliath story. And, you know, hair is a big thing. It, it identifies us. And so to not have it all of a sudden, it's kind of like a hair. You know, Hair right. is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And you Hair's know, a big thing. and women have dealt with their hair their whole lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, hair is a big thing. Now, my husband is bald mm. and a very little hair left. And when I met him, so Maureen, and this was just talking about how important hair is. Mm -hmm. He, we lived in the, the wrong side of the tracks of Beverly Hills. And we, we would go to this fancy salon who had the hairdresser like wore a cape. I mean, it was all, you know what I mean? he was one of those. He could have been in a movie. And for $100, so I went with Kenny. We started dating and went to get him to his haircut. I remember the time thinking haircut, what haircut? And we got to this fancy salon and 
the man is taking these scissors and imagine it's like a, an imaginary haircut. Okay. The scissors are clicking, but there's no hair. Oh my but gosh. He charged, I, I'm sitting there thinking, is anyone, this is the emperor's new clothes. Is anyone else seeing this? You know what I mean? But then when we got in the car, I said to my husband, you know what? You should shave your ha- ha- head. You don't need a haircut anymore. You need to shave your head. My husband is a very is very handsome, has a beautiful shaped head. He said, "Really?" I said, "Really?" And then he did. And like two days later, Bruce Willis shaved his head. And my mm. husband said, "Oh, he copied me." We're all getting oh my god. Kids. But I, at the moment, I realized because I always just think it's women. My husband had beautiful for years, big, thick, curly brown hair. Mm-hmm. Okay, gorgeous hair. When he was a hippie, he had more hair than I did. Do you know yeah, what I mean? In his that's right. 20 or 21. And so for all of a sudden, I guess it was his mid, I guess he had just turned 60. When he sh- learned to shave his own head, and then people said, oh, I love your hair. Because <laughs> you know, he doesn't have any hair. But <laughs> and I love it because I think it's so, he looks healthy and wonderful. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge process. And yeah. when I said to him, uh, you know, it's a huge process. I would love to read your essay on hair because I agree. I mean, hair is big. Hair is big. Hair is big. I'll send you the link and you and can attach it to the, I would uh, love the show that. notes if you exactly. like. Exactly. And we can yeah. put it on the website. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, Maureen, I have to tell you, what would, so what did you, when you started to get well, what, I don't mean to make this, but no Are you, were you more grateful than you've ever before been before in your life? Were you accepting? I mean, there, there's a whole other side of this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would say, I remember one night um, after the surgery, um, I was home and I was able to finally, they took me off of um, TPN. So TPN is um, liquid nutrition. So I had it IV for six weeks because I couldn't eat. And I was seriously malnourished, um, which, you know, is another huge whole story, but we don't have to get into. But when I finally got that IV out of my arm and I was home, I remember um, one night um, I wasn't lugging that stupid uh, pole around with me, like drag, I had to drag that thing. It was just awful, awful experience. But so that was gratitude. I was like, oh my God, I'm free. And I remember putting Cooper out um, at night. It was late. And I just leaned up against the window to watch him in the backyard. We have a fenced backyard. And I looked up at the sky and saw the stars. And I started bawling with gratitude. I was like, I have never seen yep. anything so beautiful in my life. Like, oh, my God. Yep. And, yep. and I'm very much into nature. You know, we live, uh, we, our house is, you know, in the wood, into a wooded area. Like we very much have a private, you know, area that we are surrounded by, you know, wildlife and wilderness. So it's not like I'd never seen it before, but I think it was just, I was acutely aware of the bright lights sparkling. And it felt like it was like a sign. It was like a sign for me, like, you know, I'm still going to be shining. I'm still alive. Like this is, you know, thank God I made it through that. And um, yeah, there's a ton of gratitude. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, inspirational. Mm-hmm. I want people to know that they can go to your website, morning because I was on it this morning when because mm-hmm. you were talking about nature. Oh sure. And mm-hmm. um, your website where you sell your photographs, mm-hmm. or people and people can pick how they want them, mm-hmm. but they're gorgeous photographs. Oh, I love your, your birds and the flowers and the mm-hmm. food. I yeah. think your, those pictures show an appreciation for life. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what, see, I mm-hmm. think photography, it shows an appreciation for whatever the subject is. Mm-hmm. It's a study. Photography is a study of the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I anyway, it's a beautiful yeah, website. I appreciate more- you saying that. I sometimes forget I have that photography website. Um, it's fantastic. Because, yeah, thanks. Um, I think I have a I um I have an Instagram, um, and I do um I I repurpose some of those images over there, and I Good. titled it um, hashtag This Kentucky Life, 
and in three words. So every photo has a three word saying to it. And it's just the story of my life and, you know, in Kentucky. And now answer um, me this mm-hmm. young lady, what is, what was the last thing when, what are you doing now for your health? You still have to go to the doctor once in a while. What, sure. what mm-hmm. do you feel like your prognosis is for? Well, the doctor, um, so the yeah, I, I, yep. Um, so the future, um, yeah. So the doctors have um, kind of assured me that this is a very aggressive cancer and it will probably come back. And um, so we monitor it every, since my surgery in August of 2019, I've been getting CAT scans every three months, which thankfully I'm NED, which is no evidence of disease, which is what we call it in the can, in the sarcoma world. So for listeners who don't know um, the difference, because I did not, so maybe there are some people that don't know either. Yeah. Um, a sarcoma um, is a cancer of the soft tissue, um, and the a cancer is um, a regular cancer is cancer of the organs. So that's why we say breast cancer, lung cancer, um, colon yeah. cancer, you know, that liver cancer, that kind of thing. This this sarcoma, and so my sarcoma was from the fatty tissue. And so I thought, my God, my entire life, I just don't want to be, you know, be fighting the fat to maintain a nice weight. And I get fat cancer. I know. Um, it's not history. technically like fat cancer, but it did develop in the fatty cells of the, of the, um, of this, of my body. So they do call it that. So it, um, but yeah, so I'm NED, so they call it, so they don't call me cured. I'm not cancer free. Um, and so after 10 years, we're hopeful in 10 years. But so recently, my last CAT scan, um, they graduated me to every four months. So I'll go for a couple of years. Yeah. So this is good. This is like winning. This is called winning. So now I'm every four months for probably another two years or three years. And then I'll move to six months eventually. And then eventually, hopefully towards the end of the 10 year, I'll be just going once a year and then I'll go once a year, probably for the rest of my life. Um, and I keep the chemo port. They're keeping the chemo port in. It's um, just um, below my collarbone and above my right breast. And um, that's so that, you know, they want to, they, they don't want to have to go in and do another surgery. And then when, you know, or if the cancer comes back, they'll have to do a second surgery and place the chemo port. So it's almost like an insurance policy for the doctors that they don't have to do two, a, a separate um, unnecessary surgery. Um, it makes sense. You know when yeah, and I don't care. You know, I mean, I've, yeah. I've been able to adapt. I found bras that, because um, a regular bra it sits right on the on the bra strap. So, like, I found all my sports bras. Um, you know, um, you just have to. I just had to shop, shop a little bit harder to find a bra that fits that doesn't press on that because it it can be uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks good. I'm I'm in great shape. Like, I feel really good. Um, I'm up at a to 125 pounds. So here's, here's how I lost, here's what I lost. So when I came out of surgery, um, I was 96 pounds and, um, I literally looked like, um, I was a Holocaust and Auschwitz victim literally standing in the mirror. It was horrifying. Um, there's no other way to describe it. I wish I, I had better words that just an unfortunate way to describe it. That's exactly how I looked. Um, so, but I feel really good now. I'm at 125 and I usually carry an extra 10 pounds. So I'm, if I gain extra, you know, another 10 pounds, I'm totally fine. I, I wear it well because I'm athletic and, you know, I've got a lot of, but my muscle structure's back. I'm, you know, feeling good. I power walking every day and I had to stop doing yoga. I have a lot of scar tissue and adhesion because um, in addition to oh. removing the 21 pound tumor, they took my left kidney and adrenal gland, my spleen, two thirds of my pancreas, 60% of my colon. Um, and, um, had this scrape off of my diaphragm and like literally take me down to like the muscle. So I'd lost some nerve endings like on the left side. Um, but you know, the trade-off is I'm, I'm still alive. So all good. <laughs> all good. It's a miracle. Well, I have to tell you, I cannot thank you enough, Maureen, because you've taken my breath away by describing your journey. And if this doesn't make you grateful for mm-hmm. every single day, I don't know what does. I honestly, I don't either. I swear it's, it's like every, I'm almost like every minute of the day. I'm like, Oh, what, you know, 
Now, what can I do? I feel like I I have a new lease on life and I feel like it's easier to let go of crap that I've been holding on to that didn't serve me. And now I'm like, life is short. I can't do that anymore. Like I'm done. If this doesn't serve me, if this person doesn't serve me, if this is not working for me, if I don't, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm okay with it. And I don't feel any regret or remorse. I'm just like, let it go. So I, I meditate daily and it saved my life. I, I tell you, it's just like a blessing to, I start feeling like, you know, cause I do get a little anxious, um, when it's time to go of get course. the scan, you know, when it's time to go get that scan, I start to have a little anxiety about that, which is natural. So, um, but yeah, it's all good. I'm, I'm super grateful. It's amazing. I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be here talking with you and I appreciate you letting me tell my story. Oh, now for another time, we're going to talk about you writing a memoir Mm -hmm. and, uh, I hope that this is part of your memoir is your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because it's, it's, I'm, I'm, everything to me, Maureen becomes a lesson. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I do. Everything is a lesson. Whether it's tragedy or tragic or happiness, mm-hmm. there, it's like when you just said that story of when we just met and you sat down at that table, I can remember the moment, there's a picture that one of the women's friends took of us, and it's such a moment of joy, do you know what I mean? That I can feed off that mm-hmm. moment. I can <laughs> feed off what great energy that was. And that's for you to remember it makes mm-hmm. me so happy that that's what we appeared like to people because that's what we were. <laughs> yep. You're so authentic <laughs> and original. Education. Yep. So wonderful. You, know, like, oh. you made me really feel comfortable a, there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything is a lesson. And you have given me such a huge lesson today. I can't even tell you. And I know Cindy, when we, when you're gone, Cindy's going to say to me, Oh my God. And then I will make some really in poor taste joke about my behind. And maybe that's where, maybe it's not my big, maybe my butt's so big because it's a tumor because that's what, oh I, my God. That's, that's what I'm going to blame it on now, Maureen. There you go. But I, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I cannot thank you enough. It was such a personal story and you did such a beautiful job and not everyone would be so brave throughout the entire process, let alone talking about it now. And we overcame our technical difficulties today to record it. <laughs> Wait, and we're both got it on the same time zone. We figured it out. <laughs> I know. Time zones, time zones can be an issue. You know, yeah. for a girl who's pretty smart with numbers, I have I have some areas that there's gray, there's gray areas. And time zones seem to be one of them. Maureen, thank you. Today. People, everyone, again, uh, we're going to put all Maureen's information up on, um, go to women. Most people go to our Women Beyond a Certain Age Facebook group. And um, I can't thank you enough, Maureen. And we're going to talk to you again. Great. I look forward to that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Oh, people want to reach us. Oops, I forgot. Cindy won't have to turn me off yet. Women Beyond a Certain Age uh, dot com and if any questions, it's womenbeyond at icloud.com. Reach out to us and thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Cindy, wasn't that wonderful? Thank you.